What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, October 21st, 2022. I want to start off the show by apologizing. I was not able to do an episode last week. Friday, I had to do my last game on the chains at a football game. And then Saturday, um, I was busy. I think that's when, we, yeah, we did the uh, Through the Ringer podcast. So uh, I did that on Saturday and I just didn't have the time nor the energy to complete another episode for this show. Um, but tomorrow, last day of practice for about a month with the softball stuff. So I should be back on a consistent level for a bit, at least a bit. Um, so yeah, that, that that's what's going on there. We're going to get into playoff baseball right now. NLCS game three is going on range uh, Rangers. I'm thinking of the Rangers because Bruce Bochy just uh, signed on as their new manager. I want to say he got a three year deal to become the 21st manager in Rangers history. I believe it was. Uh, no, it's the Phillies taking on the Padres. That series tied 1-1. Phillies currently up 1-0 thanks to a Kyle Schwarber leadoff home run to get things started off of Joe Musgrove. Um, and I, I think I was thinking of the name Ranger as well because, well, that's who's pitching for the Phillies is Ranger Suarez. So, yeah, two, twofold w with my brain working the way it was working there. Um, but happy to be here. Um, ho I hope everybody's happy that it's finally the weekend has come. We actually have some decent weather here in Jersey. Uh, you know, the nights have get, been getting cold, but even like last night, it, it was only about 50 degrees. Tonight, it's another decently warm night, about 48 degrees right now, not too bad, and it's after 8 p.m., so that's good. We'll get into the Yankees and their disastrous ALCS against the the Dragon that they just can't seem to slay three times in six years now. Uh, they're down 2 nothing as they come home. They will play tomorrow night. They have Garrett Cole on the bump, so they should get um, a little bit better production from the pitching, although you can't really ask for much more from, from that pitching. But hopefully seven strong, one or no runs from Cole, and the Yankee bats can friggin' come alive because it's been miserable. Um, NBA, we, we basically had the sports equinox. It's another reason uh, it's been troubling and hard to, to get anything, any content out because of the just sheer amount of sports that, that are going on right now at this time of the year in October. So you just had the NBA season just kicked off this week. I believe it was Tuesday night. There were two games on, but Wednesday was tr the true um, opening night for most teams. And then you've had the uh, opening week of the NHL season. Uh, it's just been crazy. I think basketball, 
Uh, so basketball, hockey, baseball, football going on last night with the Thursday night game. So I'll get into all that. I'll dive into it. I'll break it down. I'll give you some of the best games this week. I'll go over some uh, football. We, we, Jets and Giants continuing to win, surprisingly enough. Uh, some teams are trending down, including the Denver Broncos. They lost again in overtime two weeks in a row. Don't know what's going on there. And uh, Eagles stayed undefeated. We'll get into all that and much more. So without further ado, let's get this bad boy started. All right. So to start things off, we are going to talk baseball. I That that was pretty much the open. If, if you're surprised by that, I don't know why you would be, but yeah, we're going to get to some baseball, and I teased it already. We know who's in the NLCS and ALCS. Well, we're going to go there to the NLCS a little bit, and we're going to talk about a team that didn't make the NLCS. So the Los Angeles Dodgers once again collapsing in October. They won 111 games in the regular season. They beat the San Diego Padres, their NL West rivals, by 20 two games yet the Padres beat them not good not a good look they entered the series as minus 200 favorites and plus 300 World Series favorites that were was the best odds at plus 300 they are the first team the first team with at least 110 wins to not reach a championship series Oh, my God. Yeah. And since 2017, the Dodgers have two 106-win seasons, a 104-win season, and this year's 111-win season with only a COVID-shortened 2020 title to show for it. It counts, but does it really? And I've been saying for years that I don't believe Dave Roberts is a good manager. But the question begs, should he be fired? Because there's a lot of talk around town that that is the way to go. Uh, but what I will say is, yes, I don't believe he's a good manager. I would fire him. But at what cost? I mean, what does Dave Roberts truly do? Does he set the lineups? Do the analytic guys set the lineups? How does that work? Because I seen a playoff game this year where Dave Roberts took a pitcher out with a 1-0 count. I mean, what sense does that make? And some of the moves these guys make nowadays, their starting lineups um, are set by upper management. You don't know if there if there's calls down from upstairs to tell the manager you got to put this guy in at this time, pinch hit this guy, these numbers such as you know such and such this or that. So they're just a cog in in, in the machine. They are a, a a piece on the on the chessboard, right? And they are being moved around at will. They are just the scapegoats in today's day and age, and that's partly why I think baseball is suffering. So, yeah, the Dodgers got bounced by their division rival, Padres, and it's not a good look. All right, I, I already said it. Uh, the game going on right now, you got Joe Musgrove on the bump versus Ranger Suarez, and it's one nothing. Joe Musgrove, he does have the shiny ears again. Um, so last time we saw him against the Mets in Game 5, he threw basically a one-hitter. 
uh, or the Padres, I think, combined to throw a one-hitter, and he had what appeared to be quote-unquote sticky stuff. His ears were really shiny on TV. They apparently, uh, Buck Showalter wanted him to go get checked out. You can tell right now his ears look pretty red, and they look shiny. Now, whether that's sweat, you know, I don't know. There's obviously something on there um, because they're awfully, awfully red. I don't know. They look shiny, so who knows? it's It's obviously nothing. If they've checked him out for it, it's just a little bit weird and interesting to keep an eye on. Um, so how did we get to this point? The, the, well, the Phillies have three games at home now, so they could actually put an end to this series if they were to win three straight because they stole game one in San Diego. Well, we got to this point because um, in game one, the Phillies' Zach Wheeler was absolutely dominant. He was a force to be reckoned with, of course, former Met, just absolutely killing it. Uh, This is a team, ladies and gentlemen, mind you, that fired Joe Girardi at the beginning of the year. They had very high hopes. They were not performing, and they fired Girardi, and now his counterpart, Rob Thompson, who was with him with the Yankees, um, took over. They were an up-and-down team most of the year, but they, they treaded water, uh, and they got in as the last wild card team. Of course, the uh, Padres got in as the second wild card team because the Mets got the the top wild card team. But uh, game one, uh, so Zach Wheeler pitching pitching lights out. Okay, and then you had um, Bryce Harper hit a home run in this game, but it was all about what Kyle Schwarber did uh, in the sixth inning off you Darvish hit. One of the most majestic home runs you will ever see. I happened to turn this game on, actually, right as Schwarber was batting. And when he swung the bat, I, I I didn't see the ball at first, but I saw the swing. And I knew it wasn't fouled off or swung and missed. And I was like, oh, my. That is probably a home run. Like, the swing was just legit. And you could tell he probably hit, hit it a long way. But you had guys like Bryce Harper just mouth wide open, jaw dropped at how far this went. Just take a listen. Hicks and deals. Swung on his hit. Wow. Deep to right field. Titanic shot into the second deck. Wow. The Phillies take a 2-0 lead. Kyle Schwarber signals to the bullpen as he gets to second base. That was as long a home run as you're going to see here at Petco Park. What? How, how does Rob Thompson do this? He's. We said... 488 feet. Did you see the velocity? I did not see that. I didn't. It was over 100, though, Larry. Yeah. But but Tom's like, he's like, uh, I, feel, I think just feel like Schwarber's getting there. He, yeah. He, he, every time he says something like that, the guy does something or whoever it is. Got to have mark. a feel. Exactly right. Wow. So Schwarber homers to give the Phils a 2-0 lead. They have two solo home runs against Darvish. Yeah, 488 feet. It was an absolute missile. Just ridiculous. And, of course, he hits another one to lead off the game today. So he's locked in. Uh, game two, let's preview game two because the Padres were blanked in that 2 nothing. Nothing more to talk about there. So game two, the Phillies had all the momentum now, right? You have Aaron Nola on the bump. Um, so a very winnable game here as well. And unfortunately, Nola, with a 4-2 to lead, couldn't 
couldn't hold it. It really broke open and and got out of got out of hand in the fifth inning, and it was sparked by his brother. His older brother got the better of him now for the second time this year because Austin Nola, catcher on the Padres, he hit. Uh, he had a game-winning hit off his brother earlier this year in a one-nothing game, and he gets the better of him yet again here in the playoffs. Take a listen. This sparked the Padres. This scored uh, Kim from second, made it four-three, and they would go on to score five runs in this inning. Both playing in the championship series. One of them headed to the World Series. There goes Kim, and a base hit to right center. Kim is headed home. Austin Nola gets his long roll. 4-3 game. Uh, so, yeah, Kim was actually running on the pitch. He wasn't at second, so he was running. He was stealing from first to second. Base hit, uh in the right center gap and he scored pretty easily made a four, three again, like I said, five run fifth, they would go on to win that game eight to five. So that's where we are. That's where we stand right now. This series tied at one apiece. They had the off night yesterday and now we are in Philadelphia for this game. Uh, there's one out. I think Stott led off with a double and or, uh, with one out hit a double. And then, um, uh, there was just a sack fly to center, so he's on third, or sack fly. There was a fly ball to center, and he tagged up to go from second to third. So uh, the nine batter marshes up with two outs in the second, see if they can get a two-out RBI single here or even hit one deep. Uh, Musgrove drops in a nasty curveball there. Um, okay, and we move on. Time to talk about my New York Yankees that I am just fuming over Um same old Yankees, different, you know, new year, same old Yankees, right? So how'd we get here? The Yankees obviously came back from down 2-1, thankfully, to beat the Guardians in the ALDS. That would have been a disaster if they lost that. I was very hopeful, uh, mind you, that the Yankees would get DJ LeMahieu, Benintendi, Marinaccio back for this series and when I found out that they did not get, get on the roster, um, I was fuming. I figured we had no chance because these two guys, DJ and Benintendi, could set the table or set the tone at the top of the lineup. We don't have a leadoff batter right now. You could have put DJ batting first. You could have put uh, Benintendi second, and I would have put Judge third. I don't care about batting him second like he was all most of the year first. And then you could have put Stanton, uh, excuse me, Rizzo th uh, fourth. You could have put Stanton fifth and a trickle down effect would have been unbelievable. But uh, I can, you know, talk about this all till I'm blue in the face. It's not going to happen. The guys are not on the roster and it's the reason that they are so bad as Marsh strikes out on a high heater to end the second top of this, uh, excuse me, bottom half of the second. So. All right. Let's talk about game one. So game one, Yankees, because of the rain out in game five, they pushed the game to, to uh, Tuesday. The Yankees didn't get an off day after they beat the Guardians, so they had to hop on a plane Tuesday night, and they had to play Houston in game one of the ALCS on Wednesday, and they were facing Verlander. It was Tyone versus Verlander. And obviously, they had the huge advantage with Verlander, even though he's 39 years old. He's going to win a Cy Young this year. Just turn back the clock. Ridiculous. Well, the Yankees 
seemingly best hitter right now, done something nobody's ever done, four home runs in six playoff games. He only hit five like on the year because um, he was hurt and, and whatnot. Uh, he goes four for six in the second inning, gets things started for the Yankees. Two balls, two strikes. And Bader sends one deep into left field, way back, and goodbye. Oh, he almost hit it off the railroad track. Harrison Bader on a serious heater right now. His fourth home run of the postseason. And the Yankees strike first, one nothing. Yeah, Bader has been phenomenal for this Yankees team. Uh, one of the one of the good moves they actually made, although I still could argue that they could have used Jordan Montgomery in this postseason. But it's it is what it is. Bader has been fine. He's been doing his thing in center field and hitting home runs. One of the mo- more consistent guys in this group in this lineup. Um, so he gets them on the board, one nothing. But they couldn't get any more offense, and Verlander just kept getting stronger and stronger, and at one point he struck out, I think, six in a row it was, and he finished with 11 Ks. They did get his pitch count up, which was good, so he didn't pitch into the seventh. He went six innings. This game was tied 1-1, headed into the bottom of the sixth. So Boone made a questionable decision. So um, in the fifth inning it was where they scored a run, um, Clark Schmidt came on. In that inning, they took Tyone out with, I believe, one out. And I, I want to say Alvarez was up, and, and he ended up walking him, or he walked one batter to load the bases, and then Kyle Tucker was up. And it's like, okay, here we go. Boone is bringing in Clark Schmidt in a 1-1 game. At who He's one of our worst relievers. Uh, nothing against him. It's just he not a lot of experience. He's not been one of the guys this year, and, and he doesn't have the track record or, or the experience. So he brings him in, and it's like we know this song and dance. This guy, you know, hasn't been good. He he he. Last time he pitched against Cleveland, I think he gave up a couple runs or a home run. So he brings him in, and it's like, oh boy, here we go. This is the game. And thankfully, he actually uh, pitches well, and, and he gets. Kyle Tucker to uh, hit into this double play. Tucker on the ground, got a chance to turn it, flip it to the back, throw to first, and a double play. So the Yankees get out of the fifth inning with uh, only one run scoring, so it's a tie game. Clark Schmidt gets the job done. He throws eight pitches, and what does Aaron Boone do? Aaron Boone... Always, I always argue and yell and scream at the TV when a guy throws... Very few pitches in an inning that you bring him in, and then he he doesn't come back out for the next inning. Well, this is one of those instances where I don't want Clark Schmidt to come back out for the sixth inning because it's Clark Schmidt. He did the job, just count your blessings and move on that he didn't give up any runs. Well, it proved costly because he brings him back, and guess what happens? Right to lead off the inning, the sixth inning, Yuli Gurriel, this was like the game of the uh, of of the old guys, uh, Verlander and a uh, 39 years old and Gurriel 38 years old, Mr. Pineapple over there with this crazy hair. Yuli Gurriel, the guy that hits off his front foot, uh, blasts one into the seats in left field, and then all oh, two batters later, Chaz McCormick takes him deep as well. Which would probably indicate he's out. Now Gurriel to the Crawford boxes, and the Astros have the lead, two to one. Driving to right, well hit. 
Judge on the run, and Chaz McCormick! Opposite field home run! So those two guys go yard. It is now 3-1. to one. And then the Yankees don't score in the top half of the seventh. Bottom half of the seventh, it's just getting better and better. Boone is like giving up on this game. He brings in Frankie Montas, who was a midseason acquisition, was supposed to be the second best available starting pitcher in baseball. Okay. And that turned out to be an absolute disaster. Hasn't pitched in a big league game since September 16th, as you know, he was dealing with shoulder issues. Uh, the shoulder issues stem from him just giving up uh, leaking runs like a sieve. You know, five runs here, six runs there, five runs. Like, his, his the starts he had with the Yankees were absolutely dreadful, right? Just another one of these acquisitions that just can't pitch in New York, came over. For, he was so good in Oakland, just like Sonny Gray, and then comes over and, and just f- doesn't know how to pitch in, in New York with the pressure, right? Because you're pitching in meaningful games now. So, so the Yankees added him late. Uh, he was a late add to this ALDS uh, or ALCS, possibly um, an addition from the Aaron Hicks injury. They also added Peraza, who uh, started last night. I'll get into that. Um, so, yeah, hasn't pitched in a game since September 16th. And it's like, okay, we lost. Let's just bring him in. Absolutely ridiculous. And what did he do? What did he do? First batter, Jeremy Pena, who already had two doubles in this game. Has not pitched in a big league game since September 16th. Pena lifts one in the air, deep left field, and Jeremy Pena sends one out of here. The sensational rookie shortstop, the man who replaced a postseason star in Carlos Correa, Jeremy Pena, with his second postseason homer. So, yeah, Pena just smoked that ball. So the the Yankees' philosophy is out-homer the other team, right? Well, they got out-homered in this one to the tune of three solo shots and that would pretty much be the icing on the cake four to one at that point the Yankees did show me a little two out you know life in the eighth after Judge and um Glaber or excuse me Glaber and then Judge in that order because Glaber was leading off uh they struck out both of them struck out looking Rizzo did homer to make it four two Stanton then singled Donaldson walked Donaldson hasn't been able to sniff a hit although we did hit a double last night but which I didn't see but uh because I was uh out we had a scrimmage for softball but um I'm told he hit a double um but he hasn't been able to sniff sniff a hit he had three strikeouts in this game and um in game one and if not for you know a a three-two walk he you know he took the pitch that was not a strike out of the zone low and away uh, I think slider that I wouldn't have swung at. He walks, so it's first and second. Um, you know, of course, at this point now, you're trailing four to two, so you have some runners on, you have some life, and in Yankee fashion, Matt Carpenter came up to the plate, and he struck out to strand the runners. That's when they brought in uh, Presley, and he struck him out. 
Uh, just, just awful. The Yankees then, of course, showed me zero life, and they went down in order in the ninth inning to drop game one. Oh, and by the way, the Yankees struck out a whopping 17 times in game one, and the Astros only struck out two times. That differential of 15 strikeouts is the most ever in a postseason game. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. So let's get to recapping game two. Game two, last night, I missed the first half of this game because, like I said, we had a scrimmage for softball. And I'm glad I missed the beginning because it didn't take long. It was the third inning, and one of the guys I can't stand on the Astros, well, I really can't stand all of them, but he's at the core of it, is Alex Bregman, mostly because he's so good. He just has a funky swing, though, and a funky the way he holds the bat and swings it is just all kind of wrong, but he has quick hands. He took Severino deep for a three-run shot in the third inning on a 1-2 pitch. You can't give up a home run on a 1-2 count. Just not good. Third, and Bregman sends one deep to left. It is back, and it is gone. A three-run poke. Alex Bregman puts the Strohs on the board in the third inning. Now, here's the thing about that home run. It wasn't a majestic bomb by any means. It was 390, 91 mile an hour exit velo. But all I heard afterwards was Aaron Boone and Severino making excuses. Yes, the wind was blowing out. Yes, the it, uh, they had the roof open, not closed. And if it was closed, the wind wouldn't have been blowing and it wouldn't have been a home run and yada, yada, yada. But you have what you have and you have to work with what's presented in front of you and the elements and, you know, the wind conditions and, and mother nature and all of that. It would have been a home run in 25 parks. Okay. So I don't want to hear the, the, you know, the bitching 25 of 30 ballparks. That's pretty much all of them. That's like 95%, right? So, um, the way the Yankees have been swinging the bats, this game felt over at that point. Um, but, but, the Yankees did show me a little bit of life because um, after after that after that um, after that uh, three run homer, I believe it was the fifth inning. The Yankees uh, came up to bat down three nothing. Judge singled to start. And then Stanton hit a grounder back to uh, Framber Valdez, the, the pitcher. And that's when kind of all hell broke loose. And it started a big inning for the Yankees in which Rizzo, then a professional at bat with second and third, he uh, moved the run, uh, scored a run, grounded out to first infield back, 0-2 count, tough pitch, low and in. He grounded out, scored judge, moved Stanton over to third. And, and they scored a couple of runs that way with Glaber then singled. So I'll play that clip for you so you can hear a lot, you know, what it sounded like. With a jet stream out to the left field. Stan Luke tapping to the mound. Oh, Valdez dropped it. Now throws wildly to first. And it gets away from Guriel. Judge thinking about scoring. He'll be held up at third. Sombra Valdez with a throwing error. And quickly the Yankees in business now in this fourth inning. Second. Choking up on the bat, and 
and a little rollover ground ball that is going to get a run home. Gurriel will go to the back. Also sends Stan to third base as he's trying to hit one out of the stadium. 0-2 pitch on the ground. That'll get it done. Tough play. Pena on the throw to first. Not in time. And it's an infield hit and an RBI. So that was Glaber. Yeah, I didn't describe that very well. Comebacker, Stanton with the comebacker to Fromber. He fell down. He was trying to start the double play, the turn at second. He fell fell down, and then he tried to throw to first. Bad throw, went to right field. The two runners moved up um, a base. So Judge got to third. Stanton got to second. Rizzo grounded out, scored Judge. Stanton to third. Glaber with a... Uh, Deep ground ball in the hole. He was safe at first for a single. That scored Stanton. And so they had a little bit of life, right? Um, That made it 3-2 with Glaber on first base. Well, yeah, that ended things there because you had Donaldson and Hagashioka both strike out to end that rally. Um, the Yankees' only real chance the rest of the way was the eighth inning with Harrison Bader on first. I believe he walked. Um... Judge hit a ball to the wall that ended up being caught literally at the wall by Kyle Tucker. You can hear the sound of this. I knew as soon as he hit it, he probably didn't get it. But with Judge, you just never know. And you're holding out hope. This could have given the uh, Yankees a 4-3 to lead in the eighth inning. But unfortunately, them's the breaks. The wind wasn't blowing out to right. It was blowing out to left. Abreu fires. Judge in the air to right field. Got some carry. Tucker going back. Tucker makes the catch. Crashing up against the wall. Bader tags up safe at second. Yeah, that was one of those plays I could not believe Bader. Bader and only Bader would be able to tag up on that, but I couldn't even believe that he was tagging up. Um, It was actually a very good play. You wouldn't normally teach anyone to do that. You go halfway, um, but... And he wasn't even really camped under it, but he had a very good read on it. Um, So he got to second as the tying run. And then um, that's when I believe they took Brian Abreu out at that point. They brought Presley in with two outs in the eighth and Stanton came up. Um, He had, I believe it was a 3-0 count and got an absolute, uh, the pitcher, uh, Presley, if it was Presley or Abreu, no, it was was Abreu, I want to say. It might, yeah, it was, it was Abreu. Um, yeah, it was a Brayu still. He, cause I remember, I'm thinking back to, to it now. I remember it was, it was a Brayu. Uh, it was a 3-0. I, be, I want to say it was a 3-0 pitch to Stanton. Um, they had the base open being very careful. Throws in a breaking ball slider. I believe it was, it was low. It was so low and judging Stanton, man, they always get these low pitches called on them. And it's been a a brutal series so far with these umpires. They have been so bad, and it looks like just because of how bad the Yankees' bats are and probably because they're up longer because they're dragging these at-bats longer and seeing more pitches because they're missing more pitches and fouling more pitches off where the Astros are putting pitches in play earlier in counts and seeing less pitches. Uh, they're getting screwed on some of these calls and stand that 3-0 count. Uh, and I screamed at the TV. I know it was a 3-0 count now because I screamed. It's not an automatic strike just because it's a 3-0 count. I remember distinctly now saying that and yelling at my TV because a lot of these umpires, these borderline pitches on 3-0, they just want to call it a strike like and assume that it's a strike. When it's not a strike, you can walk somebody in four pitches. It's okay. And because he gets that called, he then comes at Stanton with 99 fastball. I think it was a little up. Stanton fouled it off. It was a little late. And then, much like me, 
Uh, Stanton was thinking he for sure wasn't going to get another fastball. He was getting a slider 3-2. He was sitting on that, and freaking Abreu, what a pitch. I mean, painted the corner with 99. Nothing Stanton could do. Nothing. I mean, if he was looking for it, maybe, uh, but just froze him to end that inning and that rally. Uh, just unbelievable. And of course, they were able. Uh, they picked off. Uh, uh, yeah, they they picked off. Um, Jordan Alvarez at first base did Wandy Peralta. I want to say in the ninth inning, um, which could have been you know, which was huge, of course. So they they got out of that unscathed. And then in the uh, or in the bottom half of the eighth inning, and then in the top of the ninth inning, the Yankees did have the tying run on base. But with two outs, Matt Carpenter came up to the plate against Ryan Presley. And on a 1-2 count, I forget who walked at first base, um, but they uh, but they brought in LaCastro to pinch run. And obviously, um, LaCastro's job was to try to steal second, get in scoring position for a base hit. So 1-2 count, um, LaCastro was actually running on this pitch. Out and two now. There he goes. The pitch. Did he go? He did. It's a swing and a miss and a strikeout. And the ball game is over. The Astros win. And the Astros take a two-nothing advantage. Yep. That's how it ended. A check swing on a slider, low and in, not even close to the plate. Matt Carpenter, I, I I'm almost I, I almost feel bad for him at this point, but at the same time, um, I don't because I know there's no future for him here. He's basically retiring at this point. Um, Matt Carpenter was on fire when the Yankees got him. He was released by the Cardinals, couldn't hit the ball, reworked his whole swing, came in, the Yankees signed him, he came up, short porch in right field, and he just hit 15 home runs like light, like out of a bottle, just out of nowhere. And then unfortunately he fouled a ball off his shin, broke his leg and he was out for over a month. The Yankees brought him back for the ALDS. He had a couple pinch hit opportunities where he struck out there. Well, Matt Carpenter in the last two games, he struck out four times in game one and then he pinch hit here at the end and struck out. I believe he pinch hit for Peraza or Higashioka, one or the other. And Carpenter is now 0 for 7 in the playoffs with 7 strikeouts. Oh my God. He looks absolutely lost at the plate, as he probably should be because he's been out for over a month. Boone didn't get him any at-bats in the last series against Texas, so I don't know why we're all surprised or why you couldn't get him at-bats then or why you think he's going to be an effective hitter. Um in the postseason facing this the, this stud group of pitchers, but it, it's just, he, he's got to go. You can't play him the rest of the series. Um, you can you can probably pinch hit him if you have a lead, but be very careful about that. I know Yankee Stadium's a different different animal. He might have the team behind him uh, but and the fans at first, but God forbid he puts him in there and he strikes out in a big spot again at, at Yankee Stadium. He's going to get booed out 
out of that building. I mean, it, it will be very, very ugly, and we cannot have that, so he can't be playing. And then friggin' Donaldson's another one, just just a disgrace what, what he's been giving at the plate. Um, once again, the Yankees in this one struck out 13 times. Astros, a little bit more this time, but only six uh, strikeouts. So double-digit strikeouts, you can't win a game. And the sad part is Alvarez hasn't really done anything in this series, and Altuve is nursing a, like, 0-for-23 streak right now. Two plays in this game that he could have had hits, but they were taken away. A nice play by Peraza early in this game at short on a play up the middle, and then an unbelievable one-hop double play that the Yankees turned in the 7th, 4-6-3. So he can't buy a hit right now. So two of their better players haven't really done anything. And listen, they've given up four runs in Game 1 and three in Game 2. They're right in these games, but yet they just feel miles away because their bats are cold. Their bats have been cold all, 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 all playoffs. They're hitting under 170 as a team at this point. Um, it's just pathetic. And so, like I said, they go home tomorrow uh, with Cole on the mound. It's must win. So uh, we will see. Wow. Um, we have a play in this Phillies and Padres game that just scored a run for the Padres. It was first and third with one, uh, two outs, and Soto came in to score. Obviously, you're running on the pitch. Cronenworth hit the ball to short. He flips to second. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, they called him out. I don't know what this umpire was looking at. He completely dropped the ball. Um, is that serious? Gene Segura completely dropped the ball at second base. There couldn't have been um, two outs because he was trying to catch the ball and it looked like he was trying to throw to first base. So, yeah, there was one out. This game is going to be tied regardless of the outcome here, but the umpire said this was on the transfer. It was not on the transfer. This will be overturned, and that's why you you hustle into second base. Brandon Drury doing a good job hustling from first to second, trying to break up two. Yeah, Segura took his eye off the ball. Got to remember to get one. You got to make sure you get one. And Segura completely just dropped the ball. The flip wasn't perfect, but it was uh, it was waist level. It was at, you know, he put out his glove and he just missed it on this double play. So, wow, wow, wow. Uh, this game is now tied. Uh, I will update you throughout the rest of this episode. Um. All right, so that's enough of my ranting about the Yankees. Um, well, not really. Uh, listen, they're down two games to none. We know in 2017 against the Astros, they came home and won three straight before blowing it in games six and seven. Uh, they got to find some of that magic from 96 where they took the World Series from the Braves, were down 2 nothing, came home, won those three, went back to Atlanta, one game, uh, won that game in game six to win the World Series. They need some of that magic. And they need it fast. Um, And weird stat, the Yankees, I believe it was 25 or 26 consecutive games in the playoffs with a home run. They had that uh, streak snapped last night. Um, What else? Let's see. Um... And another another weird stat, the Yankees, uh, I've been keeping track of this because I know that all they've been doing is really hitting home runs. 
it, it's just it, it's so bizarre. The Yankees have been out hit in every single playoff game this season, this this postseason. Every single one the Yankees have been out hidden, except game four against the Guardians, in which both teams had six hits apiece. Out hit in every game in every game. You can out homer anybody you want, but when you're hitting solo shots and not driving in a lot of runs, it, it does nothing for you. And I think the most runs they've scored so far in a playoff game, I want to say, is four. Uh, okay, five against Cleveland uh, in game five. That's right. Five runs. That's not exactly a lot, especially when I see the Padres winning eight to five. Um, but, it, you know, they're not at full strength and it's just tough and I'm not going to make excuses. Um, so, it you know, it is what it is. And hopefully we'll get a good Garrett Cole tomorrow night or we're getting swept for sure. Okay. My dad's just texting me about that play that just occurred in this game. Uh, but yeah, they did overturn it. So it's 1-1, two outs. Myers just flew out. So it's two outs, Profar's up in a tie game, 1-1 in the fourth. That's all my ranting on baseball and the Yankees. So we move. And the Yankees had, tw I think Valdez uh, induced 25 swing and misses, which is the most in his career. And I think they have over 30 in the last two games. Just, just in in insane. All right, let's talk NFL. The story of this season so far has not really been any one team in general. It has been parody. And Aaron Rodgers talked a little bit about it uh, on a podcast. I don't know if it was Pat McAfee show or whatever. The Jets, spoiler alert, the Jets went into Lambeau and spanked the Packers. Seven and a half point dogs. Uh, that was the only pick that I got right on TTR through the Ringer podcast. That was my one point pick. Only one I got right. Jets plus seven and a half. They won by seven points 27 to 10 doing it in all three phases of the game but Rodgers what he was talking about is basically league parity the you know the Jets the laughing stock of the league he was pretty much saying over the last you know forever pretty much had you know they're not the same Jets anymore he's like they're they're they have good talent, good players. They're they're very well coached, and that's what I'm no starting to notice in this league. We're seeing a lot of parity. We saw the Falcons beat the 49ers. I once again fell for that trap and took the 49ers with the three and a half points. And again, every game this year, six for six, the Falcons have covered. And no surprise, the Falcons are now three and three. If you if you would have told me the Falcons would have a win by now, I would have laughed in your face. So it's just unbelievable. Then you mix in the fact that week six we saw Kenny Pickett get concussed, Mitch Trubisky come in for the Steelers against the Buccaneers, 10-point underdogs, and they won that game 20-18. to 18. Uh, It's just, it's absolutely incredible. Those were just some of the, some of the quick notes and the quick games off the top of my head. Uh, just, just absolutely insane. Oh, and don't forget the fact that the Giants came back down double digits to beat the Ravens. On, I was teetering on that one, and I ended up jumping ship on the Giants, and I went with the Ravens. And they had the 10-point lead. They would have covered the 5.5, but they blew it. And I should have went with my initial gut because um, Wink Martindale... Uh, that was the X factor. I set it on through the ringer throughout the whole podcast. And then when it came push came to shove, when Nick picked the Giants with the points, I thought I was going to be cute and, and go against him with the Ravens. So that was my fault. Um, other stories from around the league and the Giants are five and one and the Jets are now four and two ground out to short ends the inning. So we are tied uh, middle of the fourth inning one one Phillies up. 
coming up. Panthers interim head coach Steve Wilkes got into a heated argument with Robbie Anderson and kicked him out of the game uh, on Sunday. And it didn't take very long, but the very next day, Robbie Anderson was traded to the Arizona Cardinals, who recently lost Hollywood Brown to the IR with what I believe is a foot injury. The Buffalo Bills exacted revenge from last year's divisional round playoff loss, beating the Chiefs 24-20. to Hey, the Chiefs had their chance late. They got the ball back, but Mahomes was chased and he threw a bad late uh, late ball over the middle, uh, intercepted, and the Bills won this game 24-20. They have the number one offense in the NFL and number two defense. They are the best team despite the record and despite the fact that the Eagles are undefeated, the Bills are the best team in the NFL. Speaking of those Eagles, there, yeah, there's an argument to be made that they are the best team in football. They are the only unbeaten team, and this was another pick I lost. I was so high on my Cowboys. Cooper Rush finally showed his true colors, throwing three interceptions. They did come back. They were down 17, came back, cut the lead to just three. And this is where I thought, okay, Philly's going to choke this one away. And I'm definitely covering the six and a half. But the Eagles quickly responded with a touchdown. They went for two, did not get it. It was 26 to 17 at this point. I had a chance to cover late in this game. The um, Cowboys elected to go for a 59-yard field goal with Brett Maher. He had the distance, missed it just right. They don't cover the six and a half. It was very disappointing. So, yeah, the Eagles remain unbeaten there. And then we had the mess that was Monday night football. I went into Monday night football needing nine points for my quarterback in Justin Herbert. That's it. That's all I needed because I started Elijah Moore, who got me zero points. I started Jeff Wilson, who got me 0.5. Now, mind you, the last two weeks, I had lost, I had put up 131 and like 133 points, and I lost by 12 points the one week and three points the other week. And both of those losses were to the highest scoring person that week or the second highest. So two rough losses. I could have been easily in first if I got a bounce here or there my way. So I go into this game, and we both had, he had guys on by. I had some, you know, injuries going on. Michael Thomas has been a brutal for me. Um, so I'm trying to recover from that loss. And I started Elijah Moore. And Jeff Wilson, who's been very good, he fumbled early in this game, and he finished with half a point. Half a point because they got blown out and lost 28-14 to 14 to the Falcons. The freaking Falcons. Um... So I needed nine points and I had texted him earlier in that, in our group chat that morning. And I was like, I think I'm going to win. Like Herbert should get me nine points, right? Like how could he not? But there was just something I, I can feel it. I, I just don't have a, like any good juju or, 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 or luck in this league. We've been playing this league for over a decade. I've never won it. I've never uh, done better than third place. Last year was my best chance. I put up over 130 points in the semis. I would have beaten the other two guys in the semis, but the one guy I played put up 200 points and beat me. And then in the finals the next week, he ends up winning it, of course, so I lost to the winner, which makes me feel a little better, but I would have beat the other guy in the finals as well that week because I did better than it. So it's just very frustrating. And I started off, you know, halfway decent um, this year. I had two wins to start off. I was like two and one, and now I've dropped three in a row because guess what? 
Justin Herbert, despite the game going to overtime, I needed 34 yards passing when they went to overtime, and I couldn't get it. And then they punt, and there's the fumble, and they kick the field goal. Dustin Hopkins was kicking on one leg because he hurt his hamstring. It was unbelievable. They kept showing him on the sidelines with this this heating pad uh, thing on while he was trying to kick, and every time he kicked, he would fall to the ground and grimace in pain before running off the field. It was just unbelievable. The Broncos were terrible. Russell Wilson started this game 10 for 10 uh, with a touchdown, and all there was all this talk about, oh my God, he had this PCR injection or whatever this injection was because his he hurt his elbow or his shoulder, I think it was, and he looked great to start off. And after that, he completed, I think, five passes in the second half, and they were just downright abysmal. They lose for the second straight week in overtime, and now my Jets are coming into town to face uh, Denver. I know it's a very tough place to play, but Russell Wilson is nursing a hamstring now and is questionable to play. Very interesting. Um, so we'll see what happens there with that game. And one quick note on Dustin Hopkins with that injury. He really gutted it out and probably hurt himself even more in that game because um, we found out he will now miss the next two to four weeks with a hamstring injury. So don't try to sit here and tell me the kickers aren't tough because what he did was was gutsy and painful and and he did it for his team. So Chargers improved to four and two, although they don't seem to be that good. I can't figure out their coach. He always likes to go for it on fourth down. And the fact that Herbert has one touchdown in the last two weeks is disgusting. My team is two and four for a reason. I drafted Herbert thinking he was going to win an MVP when I could have drafted Josh Allen, who will win the MVP. And it's just, I predicated my whole offense, my whole fantasy team on Herbert being good. And he's not been good. Uh, he he's looking like the player that I thought he was coming out of college. So just just very, very, very frustrating. And to make matters worse, I lost by less than one point. I lost. It, it was a brutal fantasy matchup. It was like 71 to 70. That's how bad our matchup was. This was the first week all season that I did not break 100 points. We have guys in our league winning with 80 points. So I was like... I'm due a break. I scored 130 plus the last two weeks. I'm due a 70 point win and I lose by half or, or less than one point. And then I decided I'm dropping out of the group chat. Like I'm just done right now. Like this is disgusting. I drop out of my group chat. Um, and one of my lovely co-hosts from TTR Priyank, Phantom Swami, texts me and he's like, hey, did you see what Brian put in the group chat? He's like, they made a stack correction and you won by a point or you won. So I immediately go check fantasy. I'm like, oh my God, I, I did win. They they made a stack correction. I won by like a point. What happened? I gained a point or he lost a point. So I'm freaking out. I'm at work. I'm trying to research where the stack corrections are, this, that, and the other. I join back into the group chat and, I'm, and I post a, uh, a GIF uh, of um, the Joker from Batman. Um, and it's like, it just says, I'm back, bitches, right? And and, um, and then everybody starts, you know, we're talking about it and this and that. And so then I start investigating, doing some investigating. 
and I'm trying to see where the point came from. And I remember texting a screenshot of my matchup loss to my brother and saying, yeah, like, cause we all bet there was this Herbert touchdown promo. All he needs to do is throw a touchdown. Uh, mine was maxed at $10. It was even money. So $10 to win $10. He got it at like 25. A lot of people got it at 25 and Herbert couldn't even throw a touchdown. So pretty much DraftKings made up like a billion dollars on that alone. And we were just talking about how rigged it feels. And I, so I text him, I'm like, yeah, not only that, but I needed him to throw one touchdown or get me like 30 yards and I lost by a point. So I texted him that screenshot. So when I went back in after the stack correction, I had thought that maybe Herbert, they added a point to him. Like maybe he did one of those shuffle passes that they listed as a rush and, and it was a pass or something like that's what I was thinking it was, even though I watched the game and I was like trying to remember back and I was like, I don't think there was any like end around type plays or anything that that would have been. So it turns out that wasn't it. It turned out it was the Eagles defense that they took a point away from. So I'm doing, you know, my research, I go in and, and I look at our matchup now and it's showing the up to correct the stack correction. And I look at the Eagles and I click on it and see like where they're, what their points under the game log. And it says that they got six points and it was three interceptions. So two points for an interception. Cooper rushed through three interceptions. That's six points. But it always says after how many, like, their defensive stats, like sacks or interceptions or touchdowns, it says comma, and then how many points they let up. It should have been 14 to 17, and they should get one point for that. It didn't list that. So somehow Yahoo Fantasy Football made a stat correction that didn't need to be made and then had to correct a correction. It's it's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen because a couple hours after that, when I had supposedly won, I, and I knew this, I knew when I saw that under the game log, I was toast because I also went on Twitter, was searching things, and someone else made a similar comment and they listed out how they, the, the points break down and it was supposed to be seven. And sure enough, they added the point right back. So the whirlwind of emotions. I go from overnight, can't even sleep, so disgusted that I had a chance. The overtime, it was a gift from God, and I still can't get 34 yards. And the Mike Williams catch in overtime out of bounds would have given it to me. But there was no booth review. I just can't believe they didn't initiate a booth review because I thought there was a possibility. He dragged his toe, his second toe, and there's no rev and I lose in overtime by less than a point then i wake up to see that i've now won by a point and just and then they take it away and just it's my season in a nutshell and it's only going to get worse when i tell you the next bit of news cmc christian mccaffrey it's official he has been traded to the 49ers Bum, bum, bum. Oh, my God. Who saw this coming? Absolutely no one, including myself. I didn't even know the 49ers were looking for a running back. Uh, they have Elijah Mitchell set to come back soon. Jeff Wilson has been pretty good. They obviously didn't like what they saw last week. I don't know. Um, as Bryson Stott hits another double, uh, one hop the wall. It's now second and third, two outs here in the bottom of the fourth. Um, so, yeah, it's... Here, this is just—it's unbelievable that that we knew that Carolina was looking to possibly trade CMC for the right for the right deal. They were looking for a, a first round pick. Well, 49ers lucked out; they didn't have to give up a first round pick. Instead, they send 
uh, Carolina a second, third, fourth round pick in 2024 and a fifth round pick, conditional fifth rounder in 2025. Pretty good deal for them there. They're in a win now mode. Um, This decimates my fantasy team because I'm hearing that uh, CMC is going to play Sunday um, and it's going to probably be around the goal line, maybe packages. It screws me because right now I drafted Elijah Mitchell in the fourth round of my fantasy draft. He was my supposed to be my starting, my 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 number two running back behind Joe Mixon because I never predicate my teams on, on running backs. And I, I was actually targeting uh, Bryce Hall, or excuse me, Brees Hall. There is a Bryce Hall in the Jets as well. It's very confusing. I was targeting Brees Hall late in the draft, and he got snagged up by another Jets fan friend of mine, Brian. Um, and so I couldn't get him, and I'm just, I don't have the depth at running back. I, I dropped I dropped like an idiot Ke- Kenneth Walker because he was a backup rookie just doing nothing, and then Rashad Penny got hurt. So, yeah, I should be fired as general manager, head coach, whatever of my fantasy team. Not been a good year so far. Just bad luck and bad moves all around. So what am I supposed to do now? CMC is there. Granted, I have no choice. Jeff Wilson is my running back for this week. It, there's nothing I can do. Um, and he's projected about seven and a half points or so. CMC will be in a package. I'll just be lucky if maybe CMC doesn't play much. And then I'll have Jeff Wilson just maybe get a couple catches, whatever. I just need, uh, you know, five to please give me five to 10 points. I can't go another week with half a point or something ridiculous like that. Um, and maybe who knows, maybe Jeff Wilson breaks a run or vultures a touchdown from CMC or something, or, or, or he only plays in a couple like 10 to 12 plays does CMC maybe. But the fact of the matter is going forward, I drafted Elijah Mitchell in the fourth round. What am I going to do? I don't have an RB2. I'm screwed. I have to pray, and I never wish this upon anybody, but as I stand here right now, my only chance to make a run at this and and get into the playoffs and and whatnot is if I get absolutely lucky on the free agent market or waiver wire. Um, I picked up a running back today from the, uh, because news just broke that uh, Dobbs uh, or J.K. Dobbins is going to miss four to eight weeks. I think it's a knee or or something injury. Um, And so... They got Kendrick Drake there, who's looked good. I just picked up Justice Hill, but unfortunately, um, Gus Edwards should be coming back, so I don't know what to make of that. I'm just desperate at this point. But yeah, I I don't know what to do unless CMC gets hurt. I don't have an RB2 uh, because Elijah Mitchell will come back soon, and I I just don't know what to make of this. My fantasy team is falling apart. Herbert is a shell of himself. Uh, My wide receivers I'm starting this week are... Corey Davis and Donovan Peoples Jones. It, it's a, it's, and I've got DK Metcalf in the in, in the flex. Uh, I have Kelsey. He's my best player, and Mixon is a, no pun intended, pun intended, but a, has been a mixed bag all year. Just horrible. You know my thoughts on that. I've been relying on my my kicker and defense, McPherson and Dallas defense that I picked up. Oh yeah, I also picked up Antonio Gibson, who I saw Ron Rivera wants to get the ball more. Uh, so we'll see, but he's on a terrible team. I just, there, there's there's so much going on with my fantasy team. It's quite embarrassing, but I, I, I might have some luck on my side. The guy I'm playing has Jalen Hurts and uh, Miles Sanders on by. So I might actually have a chance because he's starting um, Daniel Jones. So might might just have a chance. We'll see. Okay, uh, we had last night's Thursday night football game between the Arizona Cardinals and Saints. I want I'm honestly going to say this is the first game all season I really didn't watch. Um, I watched a handful of plays, but that's about it. 
Gene Segura gets a two-out base hit. He goes down and golfs it, bloops it into center field, two-run score with two outs, and the Phillies take a 3-1 lead, and the fans go nuts. So Philly's up 3-1 on Musgrove here in the fourth. It really wasn't a bad pitch. He just went down, professional hitter, man, on a slider low and away, and he just pokes it right over the second baseman's head. Oh, unbelievable job right there. Plates, two runs, huge. So, yeah, Cardinals, um, they were losing early in this game to a banged-up Saints team. Andy Dalton, again, starting um, no... uh, no Sanders, no Michael Thomas yet again. Uh, just just terrible, and it showed. Uh, the Saints have been so disappointing this year. Two and four entering this game. They're now two and five um, as Gene Segura, wow, just got picked off first base. Two guys picked off in two nights now in both championship series games. Caught him leaning. Um, so, yeah, the Saints have been banged up, but they've also been just very bad and disappointing. Um and Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton. The The key in this game was the fact that the Arizona Cardinals scored 25 points in the second quarter. They had two pick sixes of Andy Dalton. They were trailing 14-6 to six early and scored three touchdowns in the span of a minute and 42 seconds. Oh, my God. And like I said, including those back-to-back pick sixes. To end the first half, they were up 28-14, and that was really all she wrote. Uh, the final, it was high scoring, but the final ended up being 42-34. to Saints did go for an onside kick at the end, but it was recovered by Zach Ertz, and there was really nothing to it after that. All right, so let me give you a little quick breakdown, a little quick um, rundown of week of week seven's games here in the NFL before we move on, talk briefly about college football and um, and NBA because NBA is back. All right, so I'm going to just jump through these games quick, very quickly. I don't know injury reports. I don't have anything. Uh, Dallas Cowboys hosting Detroit Lions. Okay, so Dak Prescott should be back. Detroit coming off a bye. They got blanked by the New England Patriots. So this is an interesting matchup for both of these teams. Detroit is plus six and a half, and it pains me to say this, but uh, I would take Detroit with the points um, at plus six and a half. This is an interesting game. Uh, there's too many variables. I probably wouldn't touch it. Next up, Giants on the road. Three. This opened at three and a half. Jaguars are uh, have dropped. They are now favored by just three points. This is one of those sketchy 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 giants are five and one jaguars coming off a loss to the indianapolis colts i do not know why the giants are not favored in this game the giants have been covering in every game take give me the giants with the plus three i won't make that mistake again and giants on the money line all day okay next up you have green bay coming off a bad loss to the Jets, back-to-back bad losses in in, uh, London as well. They will face Washington, who's a mess right now, although they got a sloppy win over the Bears. Um, The Commanders are four-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Um, Give me the Green Bay Packers. You've got, you know, Snyder, their owner, you know, in a whirlwind uh, of you've got, you know, owners like Jim Ursay of all people who's been, you know, DUIs and cocaine use and all this. And he's the one coming out saying that they're that they should uh, that there's evidence that that they should be able to remove him uh, from from ownership and he shouldn't be an owner anymore. There's merit and all this. 
and you've got scandals coming out. Like earlier in the year, they were uh, selling mugs or giving out mugs that were from like Washington Huskies, like 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 the college football you know team instead of the Commanders, Washington Commanders. And then they had there was a um, uh, a a fan that won a, like fifty fifty raffle. Um, it was like ten grand that he won, maybe a little more than that, and they never paid him out. And he went back and forth. They finally sent him a check. Well, guess what? The check bounced. So now he had an overdraft fee of $35. It's just bizarre that an NFL team could bounce a check from a raffle. It's just crazy. So anyway, what I'm getting at is the Packers are four and a half point favorites on the road. And I'm hammering that. Buccaneers on the road at Carolina. This spread is 13. And there is no reason to believe that this will not hit. They've traded away CMC now. They have traded away Robbie Anderson. This team is the worst in football officially. They have an interim coach in Steve Wilkes, who at, who has is now 3-14 and 14 in games that he is the head coach in. He will drop another one to 3-15. and 15. After this season is over, he may well have the worst, the worst, um, oh my God. Wow, the, the worst winning percentage in NFL history for head coaches. Um, I just, I can't believe what I'm witnessing on defense from the Phillies. A routine ground ball, little chopper to first base, and Reese Hoskins comes in, it hits him right in the glove, and he whiffs on it, and it just goes down the line, and then Gene Segura goes and dives against the uh, foul, foul line, against the wall there, in front of the spectators, and he misses the ball, but... uh. The batter there, Grisham, I think it was, uh, was only able to get to second. He hesitated, didn't know where the ball was, but he wouldn't have made it to third, but they get it back in. So there's no outs, man, on second. And that's, oh, good play by Stott up the middle. Saved a run there. Okay, so one out, runner on third, still down three to one. I'm getting away from myself here, so let's get back to this. So, yeah, Buccaneers minus 13 all day, all day, all day. I don't care how they've looked. I'm taking them. Okay, next up, the Bengals hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Bengals are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Again, this is another sketchy spread. The Bengals are not as good. They're not that good. I haven't seen them hit full stride yet um, at all. They are at home, but the Falcons have covered in every game this season. I love me the Falcons here at plus six-and-a-half. Next up, we've got the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Cleveland Browns. We thought the Browns were good earlier in the year. They they blew the game against the Jets, that miracle that the Jets had there with Joe Flacco. And another ground ball to short is going to get a run in. Um, so good job by Kim. It's now 3-2. Grisham scores, two outs in the fifth. But ever since that loss to the Jets, Cleveland has just been unraveling. Baltimore, not so great either. Blown some couple late leads. Um, three of them really blew a lead again against the Giants that they should have won. Ravens are six and a half point favorites. I think they will figure it out. They're the better team here. Lamar Jackson um, lost them that game against the Giants. He will step up here and he will have a good game. My guess is 300 passing, 100 rushing, and a Lamar Jackson rushing touchdown as well. Bold prediction there. Spread is six and a half. I'll hammer the Ravens. Next up, the Titans hosting the Colts. Titans are favored um, by two and a half. The Colts on the road have quietly gotten themselves back into the thick of things. I don't believe they're they're leading that division with that 
um, tie that they have. But let's let me just see here, uh, real quick. The standings, yeah. So, um, let's see playoffs. Yeah, Tennessee at three and two is still leading. Um, Indianapolis is in that uh, third and final spot, uh, wild card spot at three, two, and one. Tennessee must have a better. Um, I don't know how they do the tiebreakers there, but they probably. Let me see real quick. That's right. Tennessee did beat them 24-17 in week four. So they're playing in week seven yet again. Tennessee favored by two and a half. Uh, I never touch these these AFC South matchups. I'm sorry. I just wouldn't touch this. I'm leaning towards the Colts with the points because they're, they're getting Jonathan Taylor back. Um, but if I had to guess, I would just say under 42 total points. Next up, you have the Denver Denver Broncos hosting the New York Jets. The Jets come into this game at four and two. The Broncos are reeling really badly. Um, they are sitting uh, just staggering. They are sitting at two and four. Uh, they are the eighth eighth uh, worst team, basically, uh, not including, you know, for the wild card. They are in the eighth spot right now. So they've got to do some work to move up into that wild card spot because they're they're done. They're toast. They can't win the division now. Um, that's the Chiefs to win or the Chargers. Um, so they're just vying for a, one of those three wild card spots. So they have to now jump essentially um, five teams at least to, to, to get into that wild card spot. Um, so this is a this is another interesting fishy spread in my opinion it's only one in favor of denver and as a jets fan i'm a little scared not gonna lie we've won three in a row we look like really good i don't know how to feel about winning games we, our passing game has been absolutely non-existent we're somehow still winning on defense special teams and running the ball um and then it comes out this week that elijah moore if you don't already know elijah moore is wants out all of a sudden he wants a trade he's not happy uh, the Jets get a great win in Lambeau and the one black black spot or smudge or, or whatever that you want to call it was Elijah Moore came out and he um, verbally uh, he basically uh, said that he's just not happy with the lack of touches that he's receiving. And I'm not happy either because he got me zero points in fantasy. All I needed was one catch and I would have won my fantasy matchup and he couldn't even do that. So he voiced his displeasure to reporters and then Sala came out and he said he talked to him and he's a good kid and, and whatever and, and whatnot. And now all of a sudden he wants a trade. 17 games into his career. A second round pick out of Ole Miss, a nobody. Everybody talked this guy up. AJ Brown and DK Metcalf played with him at Ole Miss, and oh, he's so good. And he, there was talk he could be rookie of the year last year. In the second half of the year, he was one of the best receivers in the league, and yada 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 yada. The team is winning. The team comes before you. I don't believe that the New York Jets can be good and get to that next level and make the playoffs without a passing game. That is a fact. You need to be heavily involved in that passing game at some point because you're not the only one not catching the ball. Corey Davis led the team 
two receptions for 60-something yards. Nobody is—the passing game is non-existent. Zach Wilson, they won by a combined 40 points the last two weeks. Zach Wilson hasn't thrown a touchdown in two weeks. So you're not the only one. I'm sure the other receivers want to help and want to make plays and want to catch the ball. But if you're winning, shut up. It's not about you. It's about the team. So guess what? Uh, Robert Sala tried to downplay it earlier in the week, and now it's come out. Oh, it's a personal day. You know, he's not, he didn't request a trade. No, he requested a trade. He's now not playing. He's inactive for Sunday's game. This could be a distraction, and it could be a scary distraction in which the Broncos come out and win this game. It's not going to be very high scoring because Broncos have a very good defense. Um, Patrick Sertan, all this stuff, right? The best corner, rated the best corner in the league. Um, But the Jets typically do well against Denver, although the the X factor could be that altitude, that, that, that environment is tough to play in. But Russell Wilson nursing that hamstring. I'm a little surprised that they're favored in this game. Um, it still tells me that the Jets aren't getting enough respect in this league right now. So, um, yeah, I don't care. Give me the Jets money line. Plus one is basically a pick em, So money lines are slightly better, so I'll take, I'll take my chances. I will probably be putting my own personal money on this game. Just fed up about Elijah Moore. And who knows? We There's rumors we might, uh, Denzel Mims might actually get his chance in this game for what that's worth. Okay, next up, the Vegas Raiders hosting the Houston Texans. Texans are another weird team. They seem to cover spreads. It, seven is a lot. Uh, no thank you. I'll take the Texans plus seven. If it was six and a half, I might lean Raiders. But that's a high spread for what's been going on in this league this year. Next up, 49ers plus one and a half against the Chiefs. This spread has probably dropped just because the 49ers are getting Bosa back. They have CMC now, but that is smoke and mirrors. This whole CMC thing is smoke and mirrors. Don't care what anyone says. Uh, I know they have to go on the West Coast after that Bills loss, but that Bills loss is, is a wake-up call. They know. They know everybody sees that, and there's talk that the Bills are now have surpassed them as the best team in this in this league. Uh, give me the Chiefs minus one and a half on the road, and I'm uh, going to guarantee a Travis Kelsey touchdown in that game. Okay, next up, the Chargers at home against the Seattle Seahawks. Bing, bang, boom. I'm going Seattle. The Chargers are not a good team. Give me the Seahawks plus five. The The Chargers offense has just looked terrible. It could be a breakout game, though, for Herbert. That Seattle defense is awful. And if there's a get-right game for the Chargers, if you want to call it that they need to get right, or they're 4-2, and two, but they, they need a get-right game. It would be the Seahawks. But I'll take my chances and say Seahawks plus five. Next up, Miami, seven and a half point favorites over the Steelers. Another interesting one, Tua is back. That's a little bit high of a spread. Um, and again, I can't I can't trust this, the Miami right now at seven and a half. Give me the Steelers plus seven and a half. The seven and a half hook favors the Steelers to lose by a touchdown. Okay, you've got the Patriots. Uh, that's actually the Sunday night game, Miami and uh, Pittsburgh. And then finally, the Patriots and Bears. Patriots, eight-point favorites over the Bears. The Bears are a really bad team. But the Patriots have sneaky, sneakily been winning games with Bailey Zappi. They should get Mac Jones back. Um, and that's why this spread is probably at eight. Uh, I want to lean towards the Bears, but um, 
Belichick is just too good to lose this game. Eight is a lot, but this is actually one of those instances where I will take New England with the points at minus eight. I don't feel great about it, but... And those are my picks, ladies and gentlemen, for week seven of the NFL season. Okay, let's jump in, talk a little college football. Tennessee got an unbelievable win over Alabama, that 40-yard field goal that got tipped. or However, it was a knuckleball. It barely got over the uprights. But they win. They storm the field. Chaos ensues. They rip out the goalposts. The fans are handing them off up up the uh, stadium stairs and out a tunnel out of the stadium. It was just complete mayhem. Tennessee, of course, because the no fun police that is the NCAA, uh, well, actually, the SEC fined Tennessee, probably at the request of the NCAA. They fined them $100,000 for storming the for fans storming the field. Um, and then the president, I think he was having some fun with this one, or at least I hope he was. They put out like a GoFundMe for they needed to raise $150,000. Um, or I don't know if it was a GoFundMe. They were asking for donations for uh to, to, for new goalposts they need $150,000 for new goalposts but like I said I hope that was just a joke but what a win what a win what a win um let's preview some college football games I don't want to go too long into this because we're already an hour and 15 into this podcast so I want to wrap this up in the next couple of minutes so um scores let's go scores um all right so we are in week eight We've got a big matchup, which I'll get to. Uh, I'll just reiterate that. Clemson hosting, number five Clemson hosting Syracuse. Two undefeated teams here. Syracuse has jumped all the way up to 14th in the country. That game is on ABC at 12 p.m. tomorrow. You've got Ohio State hosting Iowa. This is an interesting game. Ohio State is 29.5 point favorites. Iowa's got a good defense, so there might not be, the over might not hit in this game, but I still think that Ohio State's offense will get do enough to win this by 30. Uh, Tennessee is playing a, a Tennessee Martin. Tennessee's now jumped up to third in the country, so they'll win that game. Uh, you got SMU hosting number 21, Cincinnati. That doesn't do anything for me. Wake Forest is up to 13th in the country. They host Boston College tomorrow at 3.30. You've got a good game between Oklahoma State, number 11 Oklahoma State, and number 20 Texas. That's at 3.30. You've got number 10, Oregon, hosting number 9, UCLA. UCLA is undefeated. This is a really good matchup. And it's not one of those Pac-12, 10.30 p.m. games. It's at 3.30 tomorrow. Oregon's favored by nearly a touchdown at 6.5. You've got LSU and number 7, uh, Ole Miss, who's undefeated at 7-0. and um, Alabama and Mississippi State. Alabama's dropped slightly in the rankings down to 6. So they're just outside that CFP as of right now. Uh, Penn State, who got hosed by Michigan a week ago, they dropped to 16th from 10. They will host uh, Minnesota. And then you've got TCU, Kansas State. Number eight, TCU hosting number 17, Kansas State. These two teams have a combined one loss, 11-1 uh, and one record. TCU is three-and-a-half-point favorites, and I like me some Horned Frogs. I watched them against Kansas when I bet Kansas that game. They, they look impressive. Um, so give me TCU minus the three-and-a-half there. So some good matchups um, for sure. You've got number one, Georgia on by, Illinois on by, Kentucky, Michigan, NC State, North Carolina, USC, and Utah all on by. That's our quick rundown from college football. 
All right, the NBA is back. Opening night, we saw the Boston Celtics defeat the 76ers, led by their new interim head coach, Joe Mazzulla, who was the youngest coach in the NBA at 34 years old. Um, in the nightcap, we then saw the defending champion Golden State Warriors defeat the Lakers 123-109. to 109. Uh, Steph had 33 in the win. It's going to be a long season for the Lakers, man. Wow. Um, but that's another story for another day. The Nets did not look good at all in a home blowout loss to the Pelicans. Yikes. Um, I fell for the trap that I thought the Nets would cover this. It was like a two and a half point spread. Uh, Brandon Ingram had 27. Zion was back with 25. And yes, he looked pretty good. KD did his thing with 32. Kyrie had 15, but was over six from three. And Ben Simmons, who scored the opening bucket for the Nets, finished with a whopping four points and six fouls. He fouled out. He had more fouls than points. Just disturbing how bad he looked, um, but not a good start for this group at, by any chance, but give them time to gel. I liked what I saw from Royce O'Neal. There was no Seth Curry in this game, no Joe Harris, although Joe Harris is playing tonight, and let's see if the Nets are doing any better. Yeah, Nets are up 91-88, to 88, so I'm actually going to switch off the baseball game right now as I finish up this podcast and, and watch the end of that game alongside the Philly game. So yeah, uh, Nets, I'm not too, too worried, but uh, yeah, they got blown out. And then uh, Paolo Bancaro, the number one overall pick out of Duke for the Orlando Magic. He went for 27-9-5 in Orlando's loss to Detroit last night. But what a debut it was. And it concluded with this absolute yam job um, against Detroit with about nine minutes left in the game. Take a listen. Bancaro going to take it, fly over the top of Joseph and draw the foul. <laughs> young Put man. that on your highlight reel, wow. young fella. Oh, young fella. Woo, if you didn't see it, you're going to see a lot of this play. My goodness, Paolo taking off. Throwing it down. Heel on the line, Joseph. That blue line. The defender has to be on the outside yep. of it. And Bancaro just went right over the top of Joseph. Yeah, just a ridiculous dunk for, for a young kid like that. Um, so, yeah, many years to come, to, uh, he'll be a stud. Um, and I was glad he went number one because I was saying in the end he he was he was the better of the, of the three in the top three there. So also in the NBA... Every, it was this is a weird one. Every team headed into um, Thursday because most of the teams played either Tuesday or Wednesday. Every team at that point had scored a hundred points in their season opener, and you had two teams left on Thursday or last night. You had the Bucks and you had the Clippers. The Clippers were the later game; they were able to score a hundred. The Bucks. The only team that ended up not scoring 100 points in their opener, they finished uh, beating the Sixers 90-88. to 88. Uh, The Sixers are 0-2. I love it. I love it. The uh, I mean, the Nets could be 0-2 quickly here, too, in about 10 minutes. But still, Sixers, I love it. Um, yeah, 0-2. Uh, Joel Embiid was like 0-7 or something in the second half. Just incredible. So, yeah, that's my basketball stuff for you. Can't fit it all into this episode. In other news, some sad news to report here. Mississippi State 
offensive lineman uh, dies at the age of 19. Uh, freshman offensive lineman Sam Westmoreland, just, again, 19 years old. Uh, Mike Leach called him a tremendous young man with a limitless future. No cause of death was given just yet, so uh, not sure Not sure if that was a... Uh, you know, a health condition or, you know, I'm not going to speculate at all, uh, but our condolences go out to the family. It's just tragic, tragic, tragic. And then unbelievably today, tragedy struck twice as another college football player was killed or did die. Um, this time it was a freshman at San Jose State by the name of a running back, Camden McWright. He was riding a rental scooter about two miles from campus just before 7 a.m. this morning when he was struck by what sounds like it was a university bus transporting about 15 or so students. The accident, like I said, just before 7 a.m., uh, McWright was attempting to cross at an intersection. He, he was using the crosswalk. However, the bus was going through a green light. They had the right of way. So I don't know if he didn't see the bus. I don't know what the situation was, but he obviously got absolutely destroyed uh, or just hit head on. He wasn't wearing a helmet. He sustained um, fatal injuries at the scene. He was like dead on impact, it sounds like. Um, it just tragic, tragic. Um, and I don't even know if a helmet would have saved him in this scenario or this situation, but... Just awful, awful. So again, condolences go out to uh, the McWright family, the San Jose football community, uh, just everybody that knew this. these two players. Um, just awful, awful. Okay, uh, we this weekend is heavily packed with, with, with sports action. Um, if, whether you have good weather, bad weather, there is something to do uh, this weekend. The Yankees versus the Astros. Here's how it will play out. Game three will be tomorrow at 5.07 p.m. Eastern. Uh, game four will be Sunday at 7.07. Um, that's for this weekend. And then, of course, they'll they'll continue on unless they get swept. Phillies, Padres, of course, they're playing right now in game three. Game four will be tomorrow at 7.45. Game five will be Sunday at 2.37. Then, of course, I talked about it earlier. You have number 14, Syracuse, at number 5, Clemson. Again, that's tomorrow at 12 noon. Should be a very good test for Syracuse. Let's see if the Orange are for real because Clemson has looked pretty good this year. And then throughout the weekend, we have some good NBA action as well. You have the Celtics at Heat. That's going on now. That's pretty much wrapping up. You had the, the Nuggets at the Warriors, which is coming up in just around 20 minutes tonight and then you have the Grizzlies at the Mavs that game tomorrow night on NBA TV at 8:30 p.m. You also have the Suns at Clippers that should be a good contest Sunday NBA TV that game at 10 p.m. I can't watch much of that cuz of work on Monday morning. And then finally, we wrap this thing up. This is the longest episode I've done in a long time, but it's a sports equinox week. Four major sports are going on at once. It's incredible. On this date, October 21st, we take it all the way back to 1975 when we all remember it. 
well, those of us that were alive back then, Carlton Fisk waived his Green Monster home run fare to force a World Series Game 7 against the Reds. Oh, it was iconic. But it is sweet, sweet, sweet to not have to see the Red Sox in the playoffs this year. Uh, we had a little hit-and-run action there. Uh, base runner, I think it was Cronenworth, on, went first to third. He stole base hit up the middle. We have first and third. Cronenworth hit it, excuse me. Uh, that might have been Grisham running. Hey, he flashed back. Yankees players were stealing uh, the other night and not flashing, and it cost them a first to third just like this. Um, so they have first and third, one out. I don't think that was Grisham. That might have been Brandon Drury or somebody. First and third, one out. Josh Bell coming to the plate. Philly still up, 3-2. This is going to be a very good game. This series has been very good um, so far, so... Let's see. Yep, that was Brandon Drury that uh, is on third base running. I got that wrong twice. So, yeah, that's going to wrap this thing up, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm sorry. I know it was a little bit long, but uh, enjoy your sports. Go Jets. Go Yankees. Let's get some W's this weekend. Um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Got practice early in the morning tomorrow, so I'm going to go get some sleep now, finish up watching these games and get some sleep. And then I'm just going to relax all weekend and watch some sports. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to episode 188 of This Week in Sports. Tune in uh, tomorrow. We are probably going to do an episode of TTR that is through The Ringer. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we'll give our picks. We'll go in-depth on all the uh, NFL games for week seven even more so than I just went over them now because I just went through a quick rundown of them. So with that being said, guys, thanks again for listening. Subscribe, leave a comment, engage with me on social media, et cetera, um, if you like the show. And I will see everybody next week, next Friday, because uh, I'm pretty sure I've got nothing going on, so I will have another episode out next Friday. So with that being said, this is the Pody signing off.